Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man. The new app. Web-swinging action narrated by Stan Lee. The book. Awesome artwork on every page. Marvel. TM and copyright 2011 Marvel and subsidiaries. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Word present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. The definition of random banter is to surrender or give up or permit injury or disadvantage to for the sake of something else. Random Banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. You wouldn't be talking about a sacrifice, would you? It would be that thing that John Lithgow told Rambo when they were in front of a helicopter on a mountain. You know what love is? It's about sacrifice. <laughs> yes, it's about sacrifice because Doom is going to be doing that. Yes. Or, well, that's what they're setting Doom up for. But Doom is Doom and he don't sacrifice. He just succeeds. Oh, okay. You say that now, but, you know. I haven't read issue 15 yet, so. And issue 15, oh, we're looking forward to that because that's going to be a whole new thing. But we're we're getting way ahead of <laughs> ourselves. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Speaking of sacrifice, you allowed me to sacrifice our normal Wednesday night recording so that we could record tonight on a Thursday. And so I could spend my Wednesday night not with you. That was a great sacrifice. It's the gift that I give. And I know that the word hero is bandied about so commonly these days, but really... I wouldn't call you a hero. I just said you made a sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm implying from that that hero... No. Yeah. No, you had a thing to do. Go do it. Have fun. It wasn't a thing that I had to do. It's a thing I wanted to do. We have talked before, and actually we've had him on the show before. We've had Jerry McMullen from the Worst Comic Podcast Ever. He is Mm -hmm. a Kansas City guy, lives in Kansas City, and does a show with his friend John from there, but they've got a third friend, Colin, who lives out here in Portland. Jerry and his family came out to Portland, hang out with their good buddy, Colin, and they went on a comic book run yesterday, which I could not join them because I had to work. But after they were done with their comic book shop run, visiting like five or six different comic book shops around our fair city, they met up with anybody else who wanted to, which at that point was me. It was Colin and Jerry. Nicholas Fromm, another friend of our show, and then another guy that's friends with Colin. Those four met up with me at Fire on the Mountain over on off of Sandy, and mm. I got to hang out and just chill with a few different podcasters. Oh, that's awesome. You also got to have some wings, too. I I'm did. Guessing. I did get to have some wings. I, I, I eat a lot of wings. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to eat wings, that's the way to eat them. And here's the thing. Because I wanted to represent our show, I dressed mm-hmm. in my white... Jeff and Presents shirt, <laughs> and I went to a barbecue wing place, and let me mm. tell you, my friend, I mm-hmm. got not one drop on it. Represent! Well done! Not <laughs> a drop. How many spills? None. None. I was, I was not wearing a bib. I did not have a napkin on me. I, I, I sucked those bones dry, and I'm like looking around going, that was amazing. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. So... Here's how I am when I'm wearing like a shirt like that where I'm trying to be careful and it's like, okay, I'm having whatever. And it's like, I am 100% at it. 
I have eaten the entirety of my meal except for the last bite, and I am clean as a whistle. I'm doing good. Yeah. I'll just finish up that last little splash. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Last, good to the last drop, which is Hubris. all over me. <laughs> Thy name is Jeff. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, it was a nice night, though. It was quite fun. And Jerry was very nice. He gave me a glass of barbecue sauce from Kansas City. And you know, nice. you know that during the conversation with him and Colin, who is originally from Kansas City, the topic of Ted Lasso came up and they loved the show. <laughs> Everybody at the table loved the show. We all had a good talk about it. But then I got... Joe's Barbecue Sauce, which was one of the nice. four barbecue sauce places that uh, Ted La- was on Ted Lasso's shirt. And yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a good time, though. It was really nice to see him. It was really nice to meet him in person. I've talked with him a number of times through this show and being on the worst comic podcast ever. So it was really cool to be able to see him in person and just kind of hang out with him and hang out with some friends. It was really nice. No, that is super, super cool. I am I am both jealous of that and also resigned to my fate where I, I didn't even know what was going on. No, you uh, didn't because I'm a horrible no. friend. I'm a horrible friend. And after I said, hey, can I take the night off? I realized I didn't invite you. <laughs> hey, sometimes you have to partition friendships. And I get that. It was nothing to do with that. I just preempted your excuse for not being able to go. <laughs> yeah, no, in which I would have to right now. Hillary's been out. In fact, Hillary's out right now. A friend of ours had just had cancer surgery and is in the hospital and she's been running the the wife back mm-hmm. and forth and doing food and keeping her company and everything. So, yeah, it's it's been the me show for a lot for a while with the kiddo. So, I was kind of in the parenting solo parenting mode, so I wouldn't have been able to go on anyway. So, Boohoo for me, but yay hey for you. So that's super cool. That's what I wanted to talk about was just a good, good visit with another podcaster and from a couple of podcasters from a great show. So there we go. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And it sounds like you've just been parenting. I sit at home alone, not talking to people, very sad most of my life. Cutting me out of any kind of social activities, that's probably for the best for me. It'll keep me in my hole. But while I've been in that little sad depression hole, I did get to see Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. Oh, is it good? Movie. Oh, it's awesome. I loved it. It takes itself seriously enough where they're trying to make a good movie, but also they know the source material. So they are not taking themselves seriously enough at all. So you are laughing your head off at plenty of spots. There's at least one scene in there where I am just laughing and laughing about the accuracy and repetitiveness of what they're doing, where they're like, okay, here's our plan. Okay, we screwed it. So let's reset that plan. Screwed it again. Let's start it over. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is great. And then they're doing stuff where they're talking about like, hey, you know, the main character, he's part of the Harper's Guild. And I'm like, oh, they're doing factions. Cool. Whoopi's character was in the Harper's. Oh, hey, here's the Green Enclave. And it's like, oh, the Emerald Enclave. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Scott's character was in the Emerald Enclave. Oh, da, 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 da. oh I'm going to vote for the Grey Hands. I'm like, I, my character was a member of the Grey. It's all the just cool, fun stuff. And it's just neat to see all the little Easter eggs. And just it's got a lot of gamerism stuff in there that fits really well where you're like, I don't need to know rules. I just know that this was fun and cool and enjoyable and they did a great job. I am glad that you enjoyed something and that life isn't Mm -hmm. all bad for you. I mean, it could be worse. You could be doom. Let's get to that. Let's get to the story and let's talk about why things are so wonderful for Doom right now. Jeff, can you give us a two cents replay from last episode? The Smarty Pants Brigade, Nathaniel, Kristoff, Doom, and the last remaining alt-reality read on Earth 
get tired of their ski holiday in Latveria, so they all decide to go on a different holiday to Alt-Reed's Hub World Universe so that they can all fight the four mad celestials that are stinking up the place and something something saved the 616. Seeing that they are bad at doing that, they all run home except for Alt-Reed who decides to try and buy them some time while still making it to his own reality, and Doom who stays behind because he is Doom! Now that the, I'm sorry, did I say that they all fight the Celestials? I meant that some Doombots would fight, Franklin would make some flowers grow, and everyone else would stand around wondering if it was a good idea to bring the whole ensemble along with them. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I hope that your child is not in the room with you while you look at this beer can because it might frighten them. Nope, she's upstairs watching TV because I said, hmm, you know, the best way to solo parent is to just turn a TV on and walk away for three hours. Ooh, oh, cool. <laughs> that, what is that? Androt Theory, fiend without a face, Imperial India Pale Ale. That's a nice skull demon monster critter with wings and big long claw hands and ah, <laughs> just that's a lot of stuff going on it looks very i'm not playing diablo 4 but it's very diablo 4-esque it's one yeah. of the demons on there that you'd fight it's a pretty vicious demon and this is a 10.2 percent mm -hmm. abv we've missed this one and we think you probably did too say hello to the brand new and improved fiend without a face huge pillowy body with a smooth lingering bitterness from a super well-balanced hop profile a double dry hopped with galaxy eldorado nelson savan and interesting on this can they actually list what kind of food you want with this food cheese cigar and music the food beef brisket with slow roasted romano beans and black olive anole cheese royale dunbarton blue cigar ashton aged maduro and music evil empire rubbed by rage against the machine <laughs> Wow, they went the whole thing. I've seen food and cheese, but I haven't seen what to smoke and what to uh, be listening to while you're having it. Yeah, smell that can when you crack that yeah. and just go, whew, that is some smelling salts. That is hoppy ammonia. Not in the ammonia sense, but just in the sense that it is very, very pungent when you crack that can. So why would I choose something called Fiend Without a Face with this lovely skeleton on it? <laughs> well, uh, Celestials don't really have face, but also uh -huh. Doom is a man in an iron mask. Yeah. Plus, also, we have somebody who turns into a nice skeleton and no longer has a face. Hey, there. Oh, there is that, too. Spoilers <laughs> for Alt-Reed, but it don't end good for him. And also, his end is nothing like what I had come up with uh, in no. an episode or two no, ago. No, 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 you did not. <laughs> I saw this, I was trying to match it up, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of lot of things that go on in this one. Fiend Without a Face yeah. felt like a right choice. As far as the taste goes on this, this is smooth. It's a hazy, it's got that nice kind of straw color to it. It's really nice looking. Nose is, when it was in the can, it's super hops. When it's in a glass, it's still super hops. It's very sweet and bitter. That sweet and bitter is a great descriptor on that, because it's yep. like, ooh, that's sweet. As... Um, I made noises to that regard <laughs> several times because no, it is very sweet. Yeah. And it's then it ain't. Very thick and sweet. And then that sweetness just turns into a heavy bitterness. Reels. The, the, Real quick. Those hops come punching in really strong. The interesting thing is you get the sourness at the end. And that keeps around a little bit. But the bitterness kind of goes away. The bitterness turns into more of a sour. Yeah. It is. 
is surprising because it is a very heavy feeling IPA, which mm. I'm not used to with IPAs. So that is odd because most IPAs kind of come in and they're like, hey, I'm a little, I'm a fun summertime Daphneus gauze. And then this is very much just like, I am a heavy comforter here now. On this is tongue. more along the lines of what we would feel with a porter or a stout, especially mm-hmm. I'm thinking like an imperial stout, bourbon barrel aged possibly. That's more this feeling that I'm getting. Very heavy, very weighted, and 10.2% ABV. That's something to oh, really keep in mind. You do not want to hit this hard. This thing is telling you just slow down, take it easy, because we will melt your face off. Yeah, you're going to be a, the fiend without the faces. You! Oh, spoiler surprise. Ah, shocker. Twist ending. It's not bad. It's tasty. Once you get past that sweet to face punch to sour and, you know, heavy comforter feeling, it's it's pretty fun. It still is there, but not not bad, though. Interesting beer. Interesting beer. Yeah. Ooh, nope, it's still there. <laughs> it, just take your time with it. Take your time with it. It's a slow drink of a beer. But we have a an issue. I don't know if it's slow, well, really, but it's an issue. So let's get into that now with the opening credits, if you please. FF issue number 14, March 2012, 27. Credits. Writer. Jonathan Hickman, penciler, Juan Babalo, inker, Marcelo Sosa, colorist, Chris Sotomayor, Soto Color, letterer, Clayton Cowles, editor, Tom Brennan. Featuring Future Foundation with Valeria, Franklin, Dragon Man, Wooville, Mictor, Turg Tong, Leech, Bentley, and Alex Power, and guest starring <sighs> Christoph Bernard and Nathaniel Richards. So... On one side of the space bridge, we have Doctor Doom and the Infinity Gauntlet Reed fighting space gods. And on the other side, we have a bunch of kids and, air quotes, some adults, attempting to remove finger rockets that are keeping the bridge open. Don't forget Bentley not helping anyone do anything and being bored of all the celestial proceedings. Right, can't forget about Bentley. But, well, there are some facts from the future to cover. Nathaniel confirms that Doctor Doom will die because he went through the portal. Huh. Well, what is the point in even continuing with this book or with living in a world without Doom? Well, we still have pizza and ice cream. Ooh, I like those. I guess I'll stick around. We also have Val, who is very worried about time, but we won't find out for a while. For now, Dragon Man, a.k.a. Baby, the team's pacifist, finally has a use for his mighty, mighty muscles to remove the bridge blocks. But he fails. <laughs> yes, he does. And then our boy Alex whips up his gravity powers to lighten the load on Baby's bridge blocking Burton, but only to discover the fingers are fused to the bridge. There you go, thinking all sciency and faxy. Do you not remember that we have special boy Franklin on hand? He does not see the world as cause and effect. He sees it as more playland. According to him, the fingers are separate from the gate. So he just picks up a finger and chucks it over his shoulder into the room that they're in. Cool. Great. But while he starts to disassemble the rest, the first finger grows a giant robot celestial hand. And if there is one thing I hate more than getting the wrong order at the drive-thru, and it happens a lot, it is dealing with magic space god robots. Bentley is finally having fun. Big battle hands are totally his jam. Bully for Bentley. Check to chuck. Update. The prior finger, which grew into a hand, now has transformed into a robot. 
and of God engaged. Parahost online. Primary objective. Maintain threshold. Keep the gate open. Things are just never easy when you're fighting for the future. Speaking of the future, let's go back to the past at this present point. Last episode, we had talked about the secret meetings between Val and her grandpa, and now we have another episode of these misadventures. Yeah, creepy grandpa has teleported the uber-smart granddaughter to a dark, empty place for them to work. We will just let that go and look at what they're talking about while Val takes notes and sketches some plans. Just of the discussion is this. There are events that must happen during the upcoming crisis. Their job is to find ways to buffer these events so that they can deal with them in order and with enough time to put the right pieces in the right places. So, it's not unlike a monster truck rally. Excuse me? Are you trying to equate meticulous planning of potential future events with universe-altering outcomes against an event where they crush cars with trucks with big wheels? Yep. Stick with me and hear me out, though. The event organizers know what they want and need happy customers who are safe, but who want to see destruction and loud noises. They have to work backward from the constants they know. Crushed cars, big jumps, giant carsauruses that eat vehicles, to the planning and participants. And they need to bring it all together in a tight 120 minutes. Your mind is broken. And yet... I'm starting to agree with you. Vroom, vroom. For Val and Nathaniel, they know that they need to have 27 minutes of delay in order for Galactus to stop the destruction of the Annihilation Wave and to be present for the Celestials attacking. And at the end of Val's deliberation doodling, she has concluded that... All, all hope lies in doom. doom. You know, Christians just say amen. But it is not a cult. Right. Tell that to Latvarians. And now tithe to Lord Doom immediately. The two continue to discuss if this will work, if Doom can do it, and if Reed will allow Doom to help. But the real question is if Doom will sacrifice himself to buy them the 27 minutes they need to have a chance to save the world. Back to the here and now, or the then and when the comic was published, Alt-World Reed and Doctor Doom stand alone with nothing but their knowledge, an out-of-network Infinity Glove, and the ultimate nullifier against four mad Celestials. Only they had brought sunglasses. Reed, being as cocky as a Reed should be, pushes Doom aside and proudly tells him to <laughs> hold my beer as he activates the nullifier. Now, a reminder. This is the ultimate weapon. It will destroy anything. But, big caveat, it will also destroy the user as well. Yes, but there is a myth. A legend. Something that the Council of Reeds once discussed. If you have a true heart, a clear purpose, and you are wearing clean underwear, you can use the device without control alt-deleting yourself. Well, this should not be a problem for an interdimensional planetary Reed, unless he is doubting what they have done. Oh, yeah. He is not the best Reed in this universe. And so, firing the device at the Red Celestial, he completely and utterly... Uh, does no harm to his target in any way. And then he combusts into cosmic dust, completing his story arc. Ouchies. I do not think that he is going to be shaking that off and getting back in the game, coach. Back on Earth, Alex has been keeping an eye on Space Bridge action and informs the others that they have lost another read. It's a good thing that those things come in a baker's dozen. Otherwise, I might be a bit concerned by that occurrence. Yep, you can get a pallet of them at Cosmic Costco for under a Hamilton. Kristoff is ready to go back to the space side of the bridge to help his daddy. But Nathaniel convinces him that staying here and saving the children is more important. Sure, 
Bentley would be an acceptable loss, but let's try to bring them all home this time, okay? Fine, Kristoff says. First he'll help the children. Even Bentley. And then he'll help Doom. And so the bargain basement Doom blasts the robotic hand of God with some palm lasers. Good for him, especially since it seems like that is the first action anyone on this side of the gate has done against the robotic interloper. And speaking of sides of the gate, on his side, the real Doom Shady is ready. He has faced everything on the planet, and even though the Fantastic Four have routinely cleaned the floor with him, Dr. Doom has survived. Now he stands on a tiny bridge in space, blocking the way to a portal, keeping four gigantic robotic space gods from trampling on his world. Bring it on! Rewind time, rewind time, rewind time, rewind time. Oh, come on! Let's presently preview the past moment between Val and Doom from last issue. But, but Rick, uh, space battle! It will just take a page. Chill out, my special little dude. Val wanted to let Doom know a couple of thingy-dingies before she left him and all read on the bridge. First, she did not want anything to happen to him. She probably had him ranked in a dead pool or something. Not denying that, but she also admits that she tricked him. Everything they said or did has led to this, to Dr. Doom sacrificing himself to buy the world some time. She also admits that she has been a very bad girl. <laughs> you think? Doom accepts all of this and promises to buy her the time she needs. Then she whispers one more secret in his ear, and Doom proclaims that she should not worry, but that these Celestials should worry. I mean... Don't they know that he is Victor Von Blankety Blank Don Doom? Must have missed that memo. But are you done? Can we please get back to the story in the space battle now? Sure thing. Doom stands his ground, questions if this really is a good day to die, then pronounces his name again, along with a variation on, you shall not pass. If you add in something about striking him down, will only make him stronger. You'd have a geek hat trick. Zack. Back on Earth, Franklin finishes unblocking the portal as they watch Doom get atomized. The call to shut the gate is made, but it looks like they are just a moment too late. Bummer. Cha-chunk! Scree! Bummer indeed, as a pair of space god hands grab the portal and start to pull, wedging open enough space for it to literally get its foot in the proverbial door. The assembled group near the portal run away as the transported building collapses in on itself. And there, as the dust of the finally fully demolished Baxter building settles, we see standing over them are the four Celestials that they had hoped to leave behind at the Reeb Hud world. Well, hmm, pooh. Not exactly. Val declares that they are at 28 minutes. They needed 27, and they were able to delay this event a minute longer than they needed to. She calls that a win. And all it cost was Dr. Doom and an off-brand read. Hey, omelet and eggs, my man. Omelette and eggs. Also, paper and pen. And I say paper and pen because we are to the themes of this issue and the cover credits. So, my Jeffrey Jeffrey. <laughs> this uh, cover to FF number 14, provided to us by Mike Choi and Guri EFX, is pretty darn sweet. It's a good looking one. It vaguely kind of deals with some stuff that happened in the issue in a way. If you looked at it, through a filter. 
But what we got here is we got FF on the top, big white block letters, and that's got the names of the people involved making this. And the main thing is like a space background with a purple gloved hand with some circuitry on the front, really Kirby-esque circuitry. You have Franklin Richards flying up, surrounded by white power, and there's these blue tendrils kind of coming off of it, and he's very beefy and got a kind of a pose as he's going up against this gigantic celestial hand. Yeah, yeah. Or It's pretty sweet. Or a Galactus hand, or maybe that's Alex. We're kind of inferring a lot of things here, but I... No, I can see how you're getting Alex out of it, but I would say that I would say that would be Franklin, though, just with kind of the power thing. I, when I first looked at it, I'm like, is that Alex or Franklin? Because it looks a little bit beefy for Franklin. And then it, depending on who's drawing Alex, it looks too beefy for Alex as well. But yeah, so <laughs> I was like, that looks more like cosmic energy than gravitational energy. That's probably Franklin. That's probably the hand of God, celestial hand that he's trying to unlock, except it's more purple than red, and it looks more like space leathery than it does robotic blah 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 it's fun it's cool it's neat i do want to point out that there was a variant edition that i threw in here it's a variant edition that having to do with the venom symbiote because mm-hmm. we had dragon man val and franklin and they're all looking like they're having fun as mm-hmm. the venom symbiote is like starting to take over all three of their bodies yeah it's the, the <laughs> it's a standard alt cover thing that people that keeps on happening where it's just like oh let's venomize whoever Aunt May is venom whoever JJ Jonason has venom dude. it's just it just venomize Aunt everybody Aunt May is not venom Aunt May is carnage <laughs> I'm just saying it's not an uncommon trope for them to just kind of be like hey let's venomize a character and put them on there and there you go that's what they look like giant space hand cover looks great it looks really really good we've spent the last couple of issues really not enjoying the artwork it's still going on inside the book right now. We still have the same artist that not really enjoying his artwork. I like this story. I think that a little bit better artwork would serve it well. I think it could be really cool. There's a definite lack of, there's a lot of these pages that have a lack of really cool backgrounds. Mm-hmm. When backgrounds are here, they're very cool. But it makes the lack of backgrounds really stand out sometimes. When something when something looks really neat, it looks super neat. And then when it's not, it's the standard. Yeah. It is the kids look like weird garbage pail versions of themselves. Giant cherubic heads. They, you know, they look like Funko Pops almost. Everybody's like super small or giant heads. Yeah. Some ridiculous accoutrement. I keep looking at this backpack thing that Nathaniel's got, and I don't mm-hmm. know what it is for. It does not ser- seem to serve any real purpose. I, my guess on that is that that is his time-traveling device, because it's a okay. backpack that pops out these big yeah. door-frame-hooking arms that it would be impossible to move around on. But it, it let, it's just say it does future tech stuff for him. Who knows? Never used. Never used in this. So they don't say what it is, but it's left to the, oh, it's part of his costume and he pops it up because there was an issue or two ago where he he had the backpack and then he popped out the arms and then him and Val went to his future abode or wherever it was. Okay, that was a good use then, but but this entire adventure, there hasn't been the use for it. So I I just kind of keep thinking like, you know, Chekhov's backpack here, man. What's it for? Why you got it? Otherwise, it's a lot of work is going into it. It's not that cool and it doesn't seem to be 
propelling anything on. Spend more time on some other parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll move on from the art. Just saying the art's not that imp- it's don't impress me much. Uh, uh, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, that's right. Shania. Okay. Yeah. Plans within plans. We need to delay 27 minutes. We've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. That is what this this little part of the storyline. We are not covering the Fantastic Four because nobody from Power Pack's there. They are doing stuff on their side. And we'll catch up with them soon enough. They've got a big old fight that they're dealing with, with the Atlanteans, with the Kree, with they got a whole bunch of stuff that's going on over there. New York City, Manhattan, a lot of stuff happening. Kids are over here doing one thing. They are cleaning up Reed's mess. They're delaying the introduction of these Celestials by 27 minutes. They need this amount of time because Nathaniel has told Val that that's what they need. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about that? I can't remember if we talked about this in another one or not, but it's hard Because I understand they make a big point of we need to stretch out these occurrences. We need to stretch them out. This gate thing, they could technically kind of stretch it out to infinity, except here's my inference on it. They don't want to because there are things that need to happen. And some of the stuff has to happen, not concurrently, but concurrently, if you're following what I mean. It's like we need it to happen while it's going on, but not quite yet. We need to have... The pizza before we have the birthday cake. We can't have the pizza and the cake at the same time. I think the best way to kind of put this into perspective, you might say, is a little bit of Infinity War Endgame here. Mm -hmm. Where Doctor Strange has seen all of these possible futures and there's only one way this works. And there's Mm -hmm. these things that need to happen. They can't stretch it to Infinity because... Because the Celestials, then it's not going to work, well, right? Well, because no, no, not, they're not going to be able to do that because Celestials yeah. are going to come through the gate. So, yes. Or they're going to come through somewhere. They're going to come through the gate. They're going to come through this. It is going to happen. Yes. And it's going to happen now. There's not yeah. stretching out infinity. They can possibly delay it, and that's what they're going for. If they could stretch out infinity, there's not a problem. Well, if they didn't go into the gate, the, they no, would just the be thing. at the hub world. But, but that's the thing, though, is that they're going to have to go in the gate because the Celestials are going to be coming through the gate. They're still going to be coming through. So all the, all that being said is that they need to delay. And how they're going to do the delaying? Mm-hmm. Sacrifice Dr. Doom. Yep. Sacrifice an Alt-Reed that you don't care about. Evil Dad well, and Sacrifice a Doom. About, who cares about Alt-Reeds? Whatever. Honestly, I want to care about the Alt-Reeds more, but they really don't. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't sell themselves too great. So every time they fall, it's like, hey, good. In the history of the Marvel Universe, I think there might be only one good Alt-Reed. And a lot of people would argue with that. They don't think that the maker's that good. I think he's a little interesting. But, Ooh, interesting, yes, but good. Mm, that's a discussion for another thing. Good would be arguable. I would say he's uh-huh. interesting. He is, in fact, interesting. Yes. A heck of a lot more interesting than these ones. Mm-hmm. But but what it boils down to with needing that 27 minutes is very much of the – because they're trying to – they're basically trying to get a timing in because they need Annihilation Wave to be going, but they need – Galactus to come in to save the Annihilation Wave to, I guess, fight the Kree. But then they need that probably kind of resolved. So that way, then the Celestials come in after a thing is resolved. And then they can, instead of splitting their attention between the Kree and the Atalans and blah, 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 then everybody can focus their attention on the Celestials. And so... You really... That's it. That's an interesting theory there. That's an interesting thing. You think... Everybody can take on the Celestials. Again, the whole concept that Nathaniel is saying here is that this doesn't make it, isn't going to fix it. It gives us a chance of being able to make it right. And so it's just that aspect of he's trying to get the things to fall in the right thing where, you know, hey, it's easier to fight 
two or three or four against one as opposed to five against five kind of a deal. So I, I'm I'm still fascinated by this though because I you haven't read it. I've read it. I know where this is going, and we are still about I think three issues, two or three issues here before kind of the final battle. And coming up to that, there are probably some things that you should probably read leading up to where we get back into Fantastic Four because oh probably I will probably read the intervening uh, issues. Yeah. Honestly, just because I enjoy Fantastic Four for the most part. And knowing what goes on sometimes really helps. (laughs) Yeah. Transforming hands. How do you Mm -hmm. think about, uh, I mean, that and just every way that the Celestials are making their presence known as a bad entity, as an antagonist in a storyline. Sometimes I find the Celestials kind of boring. I mean, they they are what they are. This is the most we kind of see them fight. It's kind of interesting. With as powerful as they are, you kind of want them to do a little bit more. It's like, ooh, he shot, they shot their fingers, and now they're kind of waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Sometimes they shoot a beam out of their face at somebody on the bridge, too. Yeah. Here is a problem with this issue. There is a whole lot of people standing around. Yes. And yes. then there's a whole lot of people standing around, and then something happens, and a whole lot of people stand around. Yeah. Bentley summed it up, where he's like, oh, this is boring. It's like, Yes. Because, first of all, you're Bentley and you suck. But also, there's the aspect of, there's a whole lot of, and here we make our final stand. Because that's what we'll do. We're going to stand here for a while. And the bad guys are going to stand there. And we're right next to each other, standing. Oh, a a beam shot. For the most part, we've got Dragon Man trying to do something. And he's like, well, I can't do it. Yeah, Dragon Man is actually active. Yeah, I I tried doing something, but it's not working. Oh, well, Franklin's going to solve the problem. Okay. Alex got in there a little bit, which was nice, but it's also like, hey, can anybody else do anything? Yeah. Can you can you work the problem, do some science? Hey, Bentley, break out that arc welder that you talk about having under your bed. Well, hey, Val, hey, Val, why don't you bring out the lightsaber you made? Yeah. This part of the storyline, unfortunately, we are not reading the Fantastic Four part. Fantastic Four, things are clipping along. This is the other part of the story, and I think this is just, he wanted to draw this part out. He wanted to connect it in. This is the slow part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed in this side of it. I like what's going on over there. I like the conclusion, but this part is kind of a bit of a drag. And I'm like, oh, we're still here on the gate. My goodness. How mm-hmm. long are we here for? Oh, we're here until the end of this. Oh, gosh, can we do something? There's the episode of getting to the gate, then the episode of we're We've gotten to the gate and we're in the gate. And then the episode of we've left the gate. It is slow. But again, it's an ensemble cast of people not doing anything. Yeah. There could have been just one good fight sequence that was there. That's what could have happened. So there's there's some pacing that problems with this issue. I don't know. The more I'm talking about this issue with you, the more I'm kind of getting a little down on it. But that's that's yeah. just me. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some. Tips of some neat stuff in here, but there's big frustration. There was a lot of disappointments. Yeah. Alt-Reed, the ultimate nullifier. He's got the ultimate <laughs> weapon. It will destroy anything except for what he's targeting in a, than he to does. Be fair, to be fair, I like that part. I like the hubris of that part. It's Alt-Reed saying, I I can do this. I've, I've got this powerful weapon. I can do it. I know that we've theorized that if we are pure of heart and pure of intent, that's all we've ever done was pure of intent. I am activating it. You know what? Looking back over to all of the failures we've had, maybe mm. we weren't right. Oh, dear. Okay, so it's the blue. No, green. 
yeah, kind yeah, of problem. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. I, I like that. I love the fact that he's like the last one standing. He's got – he actually has got an Infinity Glove. It'll work in his world. He can make it there and then everything's going to be, Jake, we got this. <sighs> and then he's a skeleton. Awesome. <laughs> so, what about Doom? Really quickly, what do we think about Doom now? Uh, Doom's Doom. He's uh, fine. He's very self-assured. But it was kind of interesting, too, where he's just like, hmm, all of this has led me here. Is Now, will you know, will, will my hubris finally be paying too high a price You know, for the pride of who I am? Where he's just like, I might actually die here. So, that was interesting. There's a little bit of self-inflection. But also, the massive self-confidence that he has where... He's just like, yeah, Doom is Doom will stay here. Doom will buy you the time that you need. Doom is not sacrificing himself. Doom well, will is, live. is he or is he not? I mean, it looks like they made it through the bridge. The portal's gone. Is he alive or is he dead? I mean, it's Doom. We're kind of saying he's probably alive, but still. Well, it's Doom. We know that he's around somehow. We never saw a body. We never saw the actions happen where he fell. We saw Alex turn to the group and say, Doom has fallen. And that's it. Does Doom has fallen mean he got knocked off the bridge? Does Doom fallen mean he's atomized? Does Doom fallen mean you got to see him flayed alive with celestial power beams? We don't know. We just know Doom has fallen. And we know that the Celestials made it past him. So, yep. there we go. All right. We have bludgeoned this book enough. Let's bludge it a little bit more with our final thoughts. Let's talk about the gallery of greatness that we are going to put on snowbanks because the Baxter building's destroyed. We aren't on the space bridge anymore. There's nothing around. So we just are going to throw these pieces of paper on the snowbanks and watch them disintegrate like sands on the beach of time. Okay, Okay. Jeff, what is your backup (laughs) joke one, man? (laughs) Okay, it is on page 21 of Marvel Unlimited, and I'm going to kind of grab a twofer. We could do one or two, but I'm kind of wanting to have both the pictures. Mm -hmm. And I call it, that's one way to get your foot in the door. And this is where the Celestials have grabbed the portal from the other side and stuff a foot into it. You know, because you're going to pry that portal open. That won't break the portal. No. But he's got, because he's got his foot in. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) I like that one a lot, too. The two-page, or the two-panel spread of the hands coming through and pressing it open. Very, very nice. Mine's kind of simple. I just found this very silly. I I found that the entire premise was kind of ridiculous. Val and her grandpa are in their little planning place, and Mm -hmm. she's drawing all these weird diagrams and stuff, and then she's like, well... Here's the answer to everything, because if you write it, it's true. All yeah. hope lies in doom. Uh, yep. Yeah. That, he, here's all of our plans that we're writing down. Here's all these things that we're doing. And and she just writes them uh, in the middle of all the plans. All hope lies in doom. Oh, okay. I've got, good, a, good. I've got that's a plan. That's, that's my plan. I've got a plan. Vic's going to fix it. Step one, all hope lies in doom. Step two, something. Step three, world domination. There we go. Yeah. Step three, doom fixed it. Ah, I'm glad we came up with this plan of pushing Victor at it, going, could you make it better for us, please? Thank you. All right, so what is your top one? My, my top joke one is on page three of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it so many useless people. (laughs) This is the near splash page at the beginning, and it... It shows the gate, and on the other side of it, stuff's going on. But it's primarily on this side of the gate where Dragon Man's trying to pry one of the fingers that's fused to the gate off, and then everybody else is standing around, and Bentley's sitting there bored. And yeah. it is just 
So many useless people. Leech is trying to help, but Leech's version of helping is just telling people, he's like, Paul! Paul! Hey, you know what? When? It's, it's better than a lot of other people, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. The Moloids are all standing around. Kristoff is just standing around. It's the thesis we've been talking about the entire time. Yeah, it's just so many people doing nothing. While everybody else is being useless, there's one person that's actually doing something. And if you look at this picture I've got here, it looks like Doom is doing a magic trip. Oh, yeah. It's his last stand. He's facing the... He's facing the Celestials, and he's waving his hands like he's going to do a magic trick. Abracadabra, it's my last stand. <laughs> well, I think he is actually doing magic there. I, I saw that one, and I was like, I'm going to call that Doom Tai Chi. I called it Abracadabra. <laughs> yeah, I didn't use it for anything. I acknowledge that one quite well. <laughs> All right, let's get in some good art here. What mm -hmm. did you like in this art? What is your good one? My... Backup best art is on page 22 of Marvel Unlimited, and I called it Metal Band's New Album Cover, because it is uh, after the Celestials had burst through the gate and destroyed the remnants of the Baxter building, and they're standing, towering over the Smarty Pants Brigade. And honestly, it looks like a metal album cover, because it's just, it's a bunch of musicians just looking in different directions, kind of. It's that standard album cover where four members are standing around somewhere looking at different places. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Celestials are doing. It's an album cover. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I like it. My backup good one is this one here. And this is kind of a little bit of a funky one, but I kind of liked it. It's it's called Space Fight. And this has got the alt read. He's got the ultimate nullifier out and he's, we could have changed everything. And you see Doom behind him doing some magic and you see one of the Celestials there. It's just kind of cool. It's it's very mm -hmm. artsy. And I like how they kind of all three are mixed there. It's like, here's the fight. So I oh, I, I kind of liked it. It just was yeah. different. It's a, a montage, a melange yeah. of the different things because it's like, yeah, these three characters, the Celestial, Doom, and Alt-Read are all there, not where they're placed. It's very much just like, and I'm going to lift this image here and place that there and this image here and, and this. And this is what they're doing. It looks cool. It does yeah. look really good. I agree. What is your top one? And is it the same as mine? It is. Probably. Is it on the exact same page? It's on the exact same page. And did you call it not a new Ghost Rider? I called it We're All Out of Reads. <laughs> Do you want to describe it? Or you want me to? It's the follow-up to the read using the ultimate nullifier. I don't need to describe it. All I need to do is just read his words. Arg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I'll describe it. This is after he's triggered the ultimate nullifier uselessly, which did not do anything to Celestial. And then he turned into a space fire yeah. and a skeleton and bones and dust. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It was yes. him turning into a flaming skeleton, which was not Ghost Rider. No, no, no. <laughs> but I think that Franklin has summed it up for us best when he said... Suck it, space gods. It's rubber and glue moment. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, you just named my backup one. <laughs> Suck it, space gods. Suck it, I mean, space gods. He yep. just needs a certain movement and he could be part of Generation <laughs> X. X. Degeneration X. Just suck it, space gods. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is after he had removed the Celestial's finger from the gate. He defused it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would be surprised if we don't have the top one. Uh, top one is Doom, and it's Doom going into his last stand, and he says, I am a foolish, prideful man. Little cell phone there. Little that cell phone. fantastic, but uh, not the one that I picked. Oh, who'd you have? Yeah, I picked the Celestial's 
talking to Doom in regards to uh, when Doom's all saying, mm-hmm. do your worst, it will not be enough. And so the Celestials stop and they look at him and they go, designate, man thing, annoyance, irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> irrelevant. Irrelevant. But it's Doom. And he may be yes. foolish and prideful, but you know what? He's Doom. Yeah, I know. It's just, I love the fact that just these space gods look at him and are like, that's super cool that you're all up on yourself. I'm glad you have the self-love that you need to get through your life. That is important. That's important. Also, you're irrelevant (laughs) and an annoyance. Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. I've got Nathaniel. Really? In the good or the bad? Which version? In the good. He kept Kristoff in line. And he was trying to protect the children. So he was actually keeping all the children, including Kristoff, in line. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah I, and he's one of the only people that did anything, too. But I kind of <laughs> saw him as actually in a good parenting role, role. He was trying to protect the children. He was making sure that we're all going to get out of here. We're all going to mm-hmm. get out of here. We're going to, Kristoff, you can stay in line. We are going to work together to get out of here. So I just saw him as being a good parent in this situation. Okay. I like that. I think that's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Not who I picked. I... I'm going to go for the Reed's Award for Good Parenting for the standard version of Reed, which Mm -hmm. is not a very good parent. And I am picking an alternative Reed Ah. as a bad parent because, boy, Alt-Reed, he sure did have, like, drunk, deadbeat dad energy going on with him. Because we did so much before and I could have done it again and get out of my way here. Yeah, I'm going to take my shirt off. You want to fight? I'm going to fight. I'm going to show you how I can do it. You're not so cool, new new stepdad. I can, I'm going to fight these robots. Zap! I got you! Oh, my tummy hurts. So, it's just... Uh, it's an interesting choice. I would say that he had the least interaction with any children. Yeah. But... Again, it was very much... Again, I saw it just as deadbeat dad energy. All right. And he just... Failed everywhere. It's okay. just an embarrassment of you know him. Like I'm gonna show these kids how to do it old school, and old school was bad. So <laughs> let's talk about popular and shunned. Identifying the character who was the best and worst in this issue. Who do you have as the worst? Man, I hope you have it too because it is Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. It actually is Bentley for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Bentley. He, let me look at my notes here. You are just sitting there. Come on, man. <laughs> that's much that is much nicer than what I would say cuz uh oh, just everything about him was lame. And when the robot started to transform, the finger started to transform, he just sat there like uh, 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 look. Uh, he was Beavis and Butthead. It was amazing. Bentley uh, just yeah. irked my my irk bladder so much. It All just right. uh. then, then let's move on to the best. Who do you have for the best in this one? Four-letter-man name of Doom. Yeah, it's got to be Doom. I mean, there's nobody mm-hmm. else it could be. He sacrificed himself. He went in for the greater good. Mm-hmm. His own glory went down in that blaze. Him, a space bridge, and four celestials. Yeah, not even fair to them. He's yeah. It's just, yeah. I like how he interacted with Valeria, where he, you know, earlier I was even talking to him and just going, okay, Uncle Doom, I tricked you, and not the way that you think. It's like, we knew... That getting here would be you having to sacrifice yourself. I've been a very bad girl. And he even tells her, he's like, some of us love that about you, child. He's being so gentle with her because he's, you know, he's even like holding her chin. It's just like, some of us love that about you. Some of us love the way that you, 
the way you are, we love you. You are who we love. Like, I got to whisper something to you. And she tells him, it's just like, you're you're not going to leave this bridge. And he's like, oh, you know, it's a precious child. No, you don't need to worry about this. He At no point was he blaming her or anything. He wasn't being me. He was being really great with this child and just yeah. like, ch- you know, child, you have no fears. I'm fine. It's yeah. going to be great. All right. We have agreed on this stuff. Let's see if we agree on something else. Agree on the top grades evaluating each issue against other issues with a member of Power Pack in them. You know the list. Fantastic Four, Five, Eighty-Eight at the top. Down at spot number ten. Runaways number. Runaways number five. Double Twist as the kids defeat Doom and find Ultron. Spot number twenty. Loners Volume One. Number one. Maddie convinces Chris to hunt down drug makers. Spot number thirty. X twenty-three. Laura meets the FF and does not kill Val. Her mistake. And of course, <laughs> Julie in the hospital is still at the bottom in loners. Now, we have not liked these ones. Uh, issue number 12 is on spot number 40. Issue number 13 is on spot number 38. I'm not feeling like we really are going to go above and beyond those. I think that we're still in the same kind of thing. These stories have really stretched out. The artwork is mm, sketchy. Mm. There's some cool moments, but I don't know if it's enough to really bring it up past where it's at right now. Yeah, I feel very much the same way. So while you were saying what was where, I was like, where's FF number 13? And then we can judge from there. So yeah, it's spot 38, spot 40. Do we like this better than 13? I, I'm feeling a bit of the same energy how we started this off with uh, where we're at number 12. So yeah, I'm, I, I guess we're moving things along. Let's go ahead and make this the new number 38. Okay. I think that's going to be fine. Yeah, that's I'm great with we're, that. We're that's, moving the story along, so we got that going for us. We lost another read, so that's something. Let's get out the stamp, mark it on the board, right. cheek chunk. Boom. No, there we go. It is, yeah, it is the new number 38. And that leads us to our final thoughts on the beer. Rick, you provided me with Fiend Without a Face, which is an Imperial IPA ale. What we thinking? I am thinking that this is exactly the same beer that we started drinking. Yeah. It's sweet. It is bitter. It It is a very slow drink. <laughs> it is a very slow drink. It's it's good. It's fine enough. Every time I've taken a drink, I have muted the mic so that way I could go slurp. Mm. Mm. Each and every time. I am liking the 10-odd ABV that's on here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm liking that. that a lot. It is still, it's a little bit of a challenging beverage. It is something, could I see myself drinking a bunch of it? Yeah, because I like getting buzzy. No, I, I can't see myself drinking. I'm. This is an IPA meal, which is weird to say. This is, this is the same consistency and feeling of a stout in an IPA. It's interesting beer. Yeah. I have to give it points for that. I am going to probably land on a four. It's not Ooh, something okay. I'm going to go back to a lot, but I think that there is some thought. There is some construction being put into this. I think that this is one of these beers that you – it's not just a casual drink. It is a sit-down-and-work-through yeah. drink. It is one you do have to – you kind of fight your way through it. It is a slow beverage. I've had plenty of beers where I'm like, yeah, give me that. Crack. Glug, glug, glug. Next, please. This is not one of those. No. It's making my brain fuzzy. That's fun. It has that sweet on it. That's neat. It's got that stout familiarity to it without being a stout. So it doesn't have the fun of a stout, but it does have the feeling of a stout. I'm about a 3.5 on it. Okay. Decent. I would drink it again, but it it's right at the cusp of being too much of what it is. Yeah. But what is never too much of what it is is 
kid's perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you tonight? Good, and you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Just here talking about a comic book with my daughter. You know, usual, usual. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about issue 14 of FF, and this is where the kids do stuff, right? Yeah, they pull fingers out of a portal, and then the, one of the fingers turns into a hand. And then the hand turns into? A celestial? But, like, kind of a tiner one. A tiny one. A baby. It's just a a drone that's got one purpose. What, what a, What's that little drone trying to do? Keep the gate open. And what are the kids trying to do? Get the gate closed. Yeah, they're just trying to delay everything. They're, they're trying to keep the Celestials away for a little bit longer. They're trying to meet a certain number of minutes. 27 minutes. That's right. That's what they're trying to do, right? Yep. And they still make it through. But the kids are able to delay them, right? Yeah, they delayed them. What do you think about their efforts to delay them? Do you think they were really trying, or do you think that some were trying, or do you think that they could do a lot better? Some were trying. Bentley wasn't trying. He was just sitting there. Maybe it wouldn't be so boring if you were maybe helping, trying to help. You know, <laughs> just, just putting that out there. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. So Bentley's not your favorite, huh? No. <laughs> when is Bentley ever my favorite? <laughs> I don't know. Could happen. Pigs could fly, I guess. Yeah. What about Doom? Where's Doom at in all this? He's back in the space area, helping to keep the Celestials delayed. Mm-hmm. And he is willing to sacrifice himself, isn't he? Yeah, because he is really, he really believes himself. He's got that self-confidence <laughs> that well, everyone really needs. <laughs> of course he does. He's Doom. Of I mean, course he is. He does, he does eventually go down, but, like, he's got that self-confidence. He's got the spirit. That's what matters. <laughs> he goes down with a fight, right? Yeah, he goes down victoriously. Victor-erously. Yeah, I can't vic fit that nice. in there. <laughs> uh, I can see what you're doing. That was cute. That was cute. I like it. I okay. Like it. And he does a better job than the alt-read, right? Yeah, who dies, like, two seconds in. <laughs> he thought he could use the ultimate nullifier, and he was wrong. So helpful, these reads. I mean, who would have thought? <sighs> so, we are down a read. Dr. Doom is in the dust. The Celestials got out, but that's okay, because the kids were able to delay everything, right? Yeah, except now they just gotta play it out. Yeah, it's a bummer that they're over in Latveria, right? Shh, no spoilers. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I really wanted to talk to you about. We'll just wait until the next issue, which is really exciting because Power Pack shows up. <sighs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Sacrifice, Carrie. It's all about sacrifice and infinity stones and also gates and fingers and robots. And yeah, nobody likes Bentley. 
Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 138, where we covered Fantastic Four forever. Now, I do want to point out that social media is a disaster these days. And I understand why not a lot of people go on to Twitter or Facebook or in a lot of different places to leave us reviews. If you can find some way to reach out and tell us that you like the show, please do so. It's not as easy as it used to be because... I understand, but we do like to hear from people just to make sure that we're not speaking into a void. But I do want to thank those people that do claw through the horrible landscape that is social media to just give us a little bit of love. And that includes Al Sedano and his podcast Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. Matthew Birdsey. Pablo from Spain. And Tim Price, the podcrasher in his podcast, The Outcasters. We also have a few people that still give us a little bit of money to do this show, and we appreciate them from the bottom of our little non-disintegrated hearts. And that's adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to cover FF Volume 1, issue number 15, the one where Power Pack shows up. That's actually the name of the issue. It's just fantastic, and the picture that I saw of it showed Power Pack, and I was super happy. And that's wonderful. I, I, I hope you're happy. I've actually dusted off our old list. We're actually going to be using our old ranking. Because we got all the power pack here. <gasps> Not just the person or two, but everybody. Woo-hoo. On that note, please check out the other show that I sometimes do, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Mark present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording in front of a live studio audience of The Remnants of My Dinner. In Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to HeroInitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. Until next time. Costumes costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin MacLeod. Also featured in this episode is Spider Jam by Keith Wilk. All music is found at Incompetech.com is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. 
I know this sounds weird, but it's true when I say that Holoc... Nope, I am on the wrong one. Let's get back there. <laughs> tell us about Doom. Well, I'll tell you about Doom and I'll tell you about Sabretooth and Holocaust. That works. Cha-chunk. Scree. Colorist. Chris Soto Sotomayor. 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 Sure. <laughs> Cha-chunk. Scree! Buffered these events so that they can deal with them in order and with enough time to lose our place. <laughs> Val then dramatically says, scroll, 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 wait, scroll. 